This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, what does it take to get suspended in the NBA? Aaron Rodgers finally jets off to New York on the eve of the NFL draft. Tasmania isn't Sicily's favourite island. And the Leaning Tower of London. Lots of NBA again. Let's go. It's 8.26 on Thursday, the 27th of April, 2023. Unfortunately, we're both not feeling 100%. I dare say a COVID test might be in my future, but we're still doing our best, albeit remotely. Stewie, how are you, mate? Albeit not feeling 100% yourself. Uh, to quote the great Joel Embiid, I'm about 69%. Oh, so you've fallen down 11 times in the last two hours then as well, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes, I have. But I'm through to the second round, which is the important thing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Plenty of NBA today, as always. Check the timestamps and thank you very much to those who like and subscribe. So, Nath, it's over to you for the opening raid. Yes. You might have to explain that one, Stewie. Yeah, so usually we'll do the opening bounce. We thought we'd mix it up today and use a different sport. The opening raid would basically be the first attack in a game of Cubbity, which is a game I absolutely love. It's well documented on the show. So, yeah, we just thought we'd mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we've used a few over the uh, over the time, but, yeah, we tend to do opening bounce the most. Couple of quick hits. Simone Biles, a seven-time Olympic medalist, perhaps best known for being ID'd on a plane, giving a mimosa as an apology, and then being ID'd <laughs> for someone who shouldn't be drinking a mimosa. <laughs> oh, one of the greatest stories of all time. <laughs> She's marrying Houston Texans safety Jonathan Owens. So a decent chance of a second generation super athlete, as so often happens with these uh, matches. I did see a photo, I believe, of that. Isn't there like a seven-foot difference between the two of them? Uh, safeties aren't always huge, but because she's so tiny herself, he probably he probably looks bigger than what he actually is. I mean, he won't he won't be tiny. But, uh, yeah, he's not a linebacker. But, uh, yes, there's a, there's a decent size and height difference there. Decent. Brilliant. No, congratulations to her. It's also been reported that Tottenham Hotspur players have been refunding players that made the trip to Newcastle after the 6-1 loss. I don't know if you heard about that one. I saw it, actually. Yeah, they were 5 nothing down within 21 minutes. It was an absolute blitzkrieg. Speaking of, we actually uh, went and watched the Leeds game at the Woodvale there, the uh, the Leeds pub in Perth. Sadly, not a good game against Fulham and very, very dangerous now for Leeds United in the relegation stakes. Yeah, I haven't had a look at the bottom end of the table, but I can't imagine it's going too well for you. It is starting to heat up quite a bit at the top, though. Man City had a very, very solid, I believe it was a 4-1 win over Arsenal uh, in Manchester over the last 24 hours. And uh, that man again, geez, Erling Haaland, pops up with the fourth goal. And yeah, that is coming right down to the wire. Yes, you're right. At both ends of the table, it's going to be a very strong last month there in the APL. What I wanted to focus on today, though, Stewie, was the NFL. So Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills player, has, from all accounts, had a full recovery after that horrible concussion, which is great to hear. Obviously, we've had the Paddy McCartan story, among others, here in Australia. So that made a lot of news over there in the States. I remember Molly on first take pretty much shut everything down to break that news. So that's, that was some nice news that came through. Mm, definitely. The NFL draft is tomorrow. My Colts have the fourth pick. If you held a gun to my head at this stage, I would guess Anthony Richardson out of Florida, but anything can happen. I'm sure there's a few twists and turns to come before the very first pick is announced. Three NFL players have been suspended indefinitely, and another two have been given six games for gambling violations in what the New York Times has described as some of the strictest penalties it has ever issued. But I wanted to focus on the Aaron Rodgers trade. Yes, it's finally happened. The worst kept secret in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is New York Jets bound to try and add to their trophy cabinet of Broadway Joe's Super Bowl three trophy. And I can only assume that next he'll get on the cover of Madden, spend a year at the Jets, then go to the Minnesota Vikings for two years before becoming embroiled in a scandal involving the diversion of $5 million in federal welfare funds in order to build a volleyball facility at the University of Southern Mississippi, such is how much he likes following in Brett Favre's footsteps. I was about to say, that's an incredibly specific chain of events. <laughs> well, obviously, he, he sat behind Brett Favre for a couple of years, redshirting at the Packers, and then Favre was traded to the Jets. And now he's been traded to the Jets. So like I say, he seems to be following in his footsteps. Favre says Rogers will do great at the Jets, for the record. <laughs> He'll do great. That's such Brett Favre-sounding sort of dialogue. Yes, that's about as good as it gets. I didn't focus on the actual trade itself very briefly, though. So the Packers agreed to deal Rodgers as well as their 2023 first-round pick, which will be number 15 in tomorrow's draft, 
as well as a 2023 fifth rounder, which will be number 170, over to the Jets for New York's 2023 first round pick, which will be number 13, a 2023 second round pick, number 42, and a 2023 sixth round pick, which will be 207, as well as a conditional 2024 pick that becomes a first if Aaron Rodgers plays at least 65% of the plays this season. Now that seems to be a big, big haul for a bloke who has refused to commit beyond this season. Yeah, it's a massive amount. I don't know if you know anything about Zay Flowers from Boston College. He's projected at 15 for the record, wide receiver. I can't say that I do. Yeah, the college football, it's just a little bit too much. It's one of the things that I just don't follow that closely. So, yeah, no, I I don't know a hell of a lot. I know about the quarterbacks, obviously, but I don't know much more. Yeah, I'll definitely be looking at that coverage over the weekend. No, but you're right. It does seem like a king's ransom for a guy who's 39 years old. That's right, 39, and he may only play one season there. So it's they're definitely going all in. And look, they have a decent team. They've got a great running back in Brees Hall. They have some good pieces there. But, uh, whew, yeah, definitely push their chips into the table there. Yeah, unless he's going to do a Tom Brady and play till he's 45, it's it's a lot for a couple of seasons maybe. Yeah, there's still rumours of him potentially going to Miami too. What do we call it, Stewie? The second raid? Whatever the next one is. Over to you. <laughs> Super Raid. Super Raid. Over to you for the Super, Super Raids. Raid. Are, they are awesome, by the way, Super Raids. That's where like you've got one person left or something. So anyway, a lot of good stuff going on at the moment. Cricket and footy taking a bit of a backseat for this episode. IPL is about halfway through their pre-final games. Round six in the AFL has just sort of been completed. We're obviously going to focus a lot on the NBA playoffs again, but I did have a little bit about the AFL that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, it's been a very interesting start to the season. The first six rounds have gone quite well. The Anzac Day clash between Collingwood and Essendon was a belter. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. I did, yep. I saw it all. It was it was a belter. Yeah, one one end, as has happened in a lot of games this season, one end had a lot of the scoring, which is why I knew that Collingwood had a chance going into that fourth quarter, because that seemed to be the scoring end. Yeah, seven unanswered goals in the fourth quarter to win the game after being down by 28. That only kicked six in the first three quarters, which makes it even more impressive. But I really wanted to just take a second to just talk about Darcy Moore's post-game speech. That was one of the classiest speeches you would ever see in an AFL game. Just thanking the families and the individuals of the the people that are serving our country, basically. It was just, yeah, a, a really spectacular, I don't even know how many minutes, probably three minute speech, but it just really, really capped off that game perfectly. I agree 100%. He's one of my favorite non-Swans players in the league. He's just Fantastic town back, great leader, and clearly very articulate and thoughtful too. So yeah, big raps for Darcy Moore. And speaking of big raps, how about Nick Dacos, hey? My goodness. Just incredible. Yeah, just a lazy, lazy 40 touches and two goals. The kid is an absolute stud. And I tell you what, Collingwood had better get that checkbook nice and ready because he is going to be commanding a lot of money once he's off his rookie deal. It's hard to not see at least one Brownlow in that kid's future. He is quite remarkable. I'd say it could be sooner rather than later, the way that he's playing right now. And obviously Collingwood are, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Collingwood are playing bloody good football right now. They're sitting top four, so you just never know. He'd be right up there. Now, moving on, obviously, there's been some pretty fast starts from some teams we weren't necessarily expecting. The Saints sitting top, Adelaide fifth at the moment. But as you said to me, Nath, the Eagles did play Geelong back into form. They've <laughs> annihilated both of our teams in the last yes. fortnight. So after an 0-3 start, the Cats have won their last three and their percentage in the last three games was 146.8% higher than their first three games. The second biggest percentage difference for teams starting 0-3 and then going 3-0. Now, the only team better than that, have a guess what the team was. Oh, a team that went 0-3 and and then went 3-0. Base it off what we're just talking about. Oh, what, Geelong in a previous year? Geelong, 1897. I wouldn't have expected (laughs) you to get the year They had an increase of 188.4% from their three losses to their three wins. Absolutely incredible. Bloody hell. Oh, not yet, mate. Not yet. A bit later (laughs) in the show. Yes, that's coming. That's coming. (laughs) But the other thing I did want to talk about, the league has just come out and issued a 19th license to Tasmania. There's talk of this big, what, $750 million stadium that's going to be built just to, I'm just using my my geography skills to try and figure out what direction. I think it's like north-northeast of the main part of town. But James Sicily has come out and said, there's not much happening down there. It could be difficult. I couldn't imagine myself living there. And this is the captain of Hawthorne making those comments about the state, which just happens to be the fucking naming rights partner of his football club. (laughs) Yeah. Andrew Dillon, the next CEO, by the way, too. So it's good that they're making some decisions uh, in the leadership there. 
Yeah, it's oh, it's not great, is it? Like, geez, mate. I mean, he's a hothead on the field, so is it any surprise that he says stupid shit? It's just, it's worrying. I mean, this is like, I'm just trying to think, this would be like one of the Eagles players coming out and saying, oh, geez, Hungry Jacks, what a load of crap, which I agree <laughs> with personally. I don't particularly like Hungry Jacks. They don't sponsor <laughs> us, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, just, oh, it's a horrible thing. There have been some good replies on social media. Mitch Robinson said, I'm sure sponsors love hearing that, considering Tassie pumps $13.5 million into a club that's currently on Struggle Street. Yeah, that's, oh man, the more you think about it, the worse it is. And Tim Payne, Tassie people have been fighting for years for the chance to get an AFL team. Comments like this do not help us working towards our chance at showing just how good our little state is and will be with our own team. Whenever you want, the door is open to come down and I can show you around our boring island if you like. Surely players can live somewhere else in the off-season. A lot of it's very focused on... I mean, I, I know people like going out and stuff during the week, but I don't know. Surely you could still have a decent life there as a young person. This is the thing. It's not like they don't have nightclubs and pubs in Hobart. I was there recently. They do exist. And again, in the off-season, if you want to live in Melbourne or you want to live in on the Gold Coast or wherever it might be, then all power to you, like a lot of players do in other sports. Agreed entirely. Yeah, it's, it's it's a ridiculous comment. Unfortunately, it probably comes from somebody who hasn't really done much besides fly in, play a little bit of football, and then fly back out. Yeah, a bit disappointing, that one. Now, the other thing I did want to just quickly talk about, I saw that Kazuyoshi Miura just made his debut for Olivia Renze late in their most recent Portuguese second division match against Academico de Viciu FC. Apologies for the, the rough pronunciation on that one. This was in a 4-1 win. Now, Anyone who has a keen ear might have remembered this name. We actually spoke about him in an episode a while back. Miura is 56 years old and in his 38th professional season. Oh, man. It, it's That's incredible. three careers worth. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's absolutely like everyone talks about. I mean, obviously, he's not quite the same sort of standard as LeBron is, but everyone talks about how good LeBron is in his 20th season. This guy's in his bloody 38. Absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable indeed. <laughs> Great story, that one. And sorry, Shree, one other thing with the Collingwood Essendon. I forgot to mention it was the second biggest home and away crowd ever for a VFL-AFL game. So they had 95,179 there. Second only behind Melbourne versus Collingwood, 99,256 in 1958. That was round 10. Thank you to Swampy as always. And obviously the other thing is you've got to couple that with the ridiculously big crowd that Melbourne and Richmond pulled the night before. I think that was around 85,000. So... They had an incredibly, incredibly big couple of days at the the MCG. I mean, that was, yeah, just great to see. And lots of big crowds, I guess, in these, what's basically maybe the first normal season post-COVID. So, Shui, if you'd told me before round one began that Kawhi Leonard would miss three games, Giannis would miss two and only play 11 minutes in a third, Joel Embiid would miss one, Ja Morant would miss one, and both Draymond Green and Jonte Murray would both be suspended for two others, I'd assume that they would be pretty crap. But it's been an amazing first round, hasn't it? Oh, it's been sensational. You, you can't really... Well, you can fault it, but you can't at the same time. Yes, well, it depends. <laughs> it depends who you're going for and what you want to see. You can probably make a case for two other suspensions too, but we'll get there. Yes. So we'll start off in the West. Golden State Warriors 3 lead Sacramento 2. What did I say last week, Nath? Game three was an absolute must-win for Sacto, and they shit the bed. Yeah, well, I dare say we both kind of picked it like a dirty nose, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, game three after taking both games at home, no Draymond Green for game three, and they weren't even close. And obviously, admittedly, they were a pretty decent look away from winning game four. Harrison Barnes had a wide-open look to go up 3-1, but Harrison Barnes is not clutch, so unfortunately he misses that. And then all of a sudden, De'Aaron Fox breaks a finger in his shooting hand, goes 9 of 25 with six turnovers in Game 5, and the series feels over. And that's the other thing. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's really key, uh, especially after the way he played in Games 1 and 2. The De'Aaron Fox injury is a massive deal, and it's a real shame. It's a real shame. I don't know how much of this series you've actually seen so far, Nath. I saw game one, and then I've only seen bits and pieces since. Yeah, game one was an absolute cracker. And it's a funny one, isn't it? Because if the ball bounces a few different ways, Golden State could have just about have it over by now because they had a shot to win it in game one. As you say, Harrison Barnes had a shot to win it, so anything could have happened. So, yeah, some couple of really close games, but you'd have to assume the Warriors are going to win from here. You would think so. One of the things I did want to talk about, though, was the supporting cast with Golden State. Kevon Looney has been an absolute beast in this series, and... 
he's always been one of these really unselfish guys who does all the dirty work, doesn't need a whole bunch of looks offensively, happy to take lobs or, or whatever, but 20 rebounds in game three, including nine offensive to go with nine assists, 22 rebounds today, seven offensive to go with seven assists. He's a plus 33 in the last three games combined. And he's one of these guys that, as I said, he just does all the right things and teams need on their playoff rosters and these championship runs. Oh, definitely. Without a question. One of my favorite kind of unassuming big guys. He's the sort of player Pop would have liked when you think about Nazir Muhammad and Kevin Willis and some of those big guys in the Spurs championship runs. He's almost doing Draymond Green stuff with seven and nine assists, isn't he? Yeah, I did want to talk about Draymond Green in a second, but I did also want to just say, when you look at these Warriors teams and the dynasty that they've had, or mini dynasty, whatever you want to call it, one of the things they've always had is that kind of center. If you look at someone like an Andrew Bogut, who again, didn't need a huge amount of shots. You look at Festus Azili, who was the same sort of guy, just that lunch pail sort of guy would go into the trenches, bang bodies, get rebounds, block shots. They've had a really, really good recent history of getting guys like that who just don't give a shit about getting their own. They know they're on a team that has guys like Steph and Clay, Wiggins, Poole. These guys are going to take the majority of the shots. But when you've got guys like those guys, Gary Payton II, Dante DiVincenzo, they all understand their role in this team. And I think they've done such a great job of putting together a roster of guys who just do what is best for the team. DiVincenzo's given them some really good minutes too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, they'll be thinking about back-to-back now. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, it kind of opens up a little bit if they do get through. I suppose before we get to that, can we make a case for the Kings even having a shot in Game 6? If Fox was healthy, I would say yes, we could, but no, I don't think so with that injury. It's just too important. No, fair enough. And I tell you what, the Kings were incredibly lucky not to lose the leak Monk today. And I was messaging back and forward with you. I actually thought he'd done his knee. It looked like his season was over. Yeah, that would have been a real shame given the injuries that have already occurred this playoffs. But uh, yeah, I think even though he dodged a bullet, I just can't see him winning at Golden State. Oh, not not at all. I mean, like if you look at today, Harrison Barnes only scored halfway through the third quarter. He had a pretty decent run for about six minutes and then just disappeared again. It seemed like down the stretch, if Malik Monk didn't score or set somebody up, the Kings just didn't score. I'm absolutely with you. This series is over. I'm calling it now. Now, the other half of that part of the bracket, the Lakers three lead Memphis two after Memphis took game five today. Yes. So they'll be going to LA for game six. So I fully expect them to finish it off there. But hats off to the Grizz because... They could have easily folded after that overtime game in game four. And Dylan Brooks is kind of a shadow of his former self, isn't he? Because the media has made him out to be a villain. I can all but guarantee that he will not play for the Grizzlies next season. He's basically the starting small forward on my all-fuckwit team, first team, all-NBA, (laughs) all-fuckwit. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. Do you you want to guess the, the rest of them? Well, I mean, I feel like knowing you, you'll probably have Embiid starting centre. Yeah, see, that's, that was the tricky one, but I think he has to be starting centre. Yeah. No, that's it, fair. Even though I was saying that, you know, he probably was worthy of the MVP. Still no, a bit of a uh, DeJounte Murray's probably your starting point guard, I would imagine. No, I've got Harden and, and uh, Kyrie in the backcourt. Ah, uh, fair enough. Fair DeJounte's enough. off the bench. He's all second team. Yeah. <laughs> Does Kawhi get a look or are you, you pass? No, him? no, Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks. Yeah. And Kawhi Draymond. Can play power forward. Draymond. Oh, yeah, fair, fair call. Yeah. Fair call. Yeah. The bollock hitters. So I guess one of the things with this series that I've noticed that kind of hasn't really been doing the rounds, all five games have been won by the team that has won the first quarter. So it shows the importance of getting off to a good start. And there have been some really lopsided ones. I mean, there was one game Memphis was up by 11. Obviously, game three, the Lakers jump out to that 35 to nine lead. But all five games have been won by that team that's taken the first quarter. I didn't notice that. That's yeah, that's interesting. There you go. Mm. Desmond Bain has been magnificent, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He had a really, really solid game today up in the 30s. I mean, he's one of these guys that when he's on, when he's on balance and when he kind of sees that ball go through, yeah, he's he's a guy who can very, very quickly turn a game around. I mean, this game today was fairly close. It was a one-point game sort of getting towards the end of the third quarter. And then the Grizzlies just got on a heater, started hitting threes, getting buckets in transition, and the Lakers looked tired. And that's the thing with the Lakers. So I expect them to get through, but I think I just can't see them winning the championship, but we'll get there. How good was game four? LeBron James now has seven game winning or tying shots in the final one second of playoff games. Oh yeah, but he's not clutch. Yeah, I know. Isn't that ridiculous? 
It is. It is absolutely ridiculous. And look, it was a very, very difficult shot. Had to put it high off glass because Jaron Jackson Jr. came across trying to block it. Very, very difficult shot to hit. And look, I mean, this is one of those things. If that shot doesn't go in and the Grizzlies win, we could be talking about them leading 3-2. It's true, but I don't know. The jar injury uh, and still the big guys, they are really missing those big guys, Adams and Clark, aren't they? Oh, they are. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big guys missing here. We'll talk about, I guess, a couple of big guys for Minnesota when we talk about their series as well. But yeah, it's one of those ones. I I don't know who's going to come out of this series. I feel like the Lakers will, but I can't see either of them beating Golden State. It's just, yeah. Anyway, just quickly looking forward to Game 6. One really big positive if you're a Grizzlies fan, they kind of kept the Lakers in it just enough that Darvin Ham played LeBron and AD way bigger minutes than he probably should have. So game six stamina could be a little bit questionable. Oh, yeah, definitely. The stamina will be a major issue with this Lakers team. Anthony Davis, I don't think, did he even have double-figure scoring in game four? A game that went to OT? He might have in OT. He might have got to double figures in OT. But you just don't know which AD is going to turn up. And they can't, they need both of those stars firing to have any chance at all. I also want to give a bit of a shout-out to Xavier Tillman. I know we've talked about him a little bit. But uh, I have seen a couple of games from this series. Obviously not today's. I haven't seen any of today's action yet. But uh, I I think he's just done a really tremendous job as the next man up. He absolutely has. Just for the record, Anthony Davis did have 12 in that game four. Okay, so he got there in the OT, yeah. He did. But yeah, Xavier Tillman has been fantastic. He's been a, a really, really big revelation for that Memphis team. And yes, obviously they're missing Steven Adams and they're missing Brandon Clark as that backup. But yeah, as you say, next man up, that's the way to do it. What'd you make of Jar at the end of regulation? Like, I felt like he was a bit out of control. You know that charge on LeBron and bloody hell he got high. He got really high up in the air. But I don't know. I just felt like he was attacking the rim, which is fine. You should attack the rim. But I felt like it was a bit, I don't know, it was a bit too chaotic and not, I don't know. I think he could have executed a bit better. And, and I have a feeling that they might have won that game if they just executed down the stretch just a little bit better. I feel like the vast majority of the playoffs so far for Morant have been a little bit too fast, maybe 20, 30% too fast. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised he tried to dunk on LeBron. I'm impressed that LeBron took that charge at 38 years old. But yeah, geez, you, you just, you worry. He was actually really lucky that he landed on LeBron. Otherwise, it could have ended his season. Well, it could have actually. And that speed and athleticism, it's okay. 99% of the time, it's a blessing, but it can be a little bit of a curse too when you kind of. I don't know. I just I feel like his game will mature well, but I still think his decision making down the stretch does need to improve a bit. But he'll he'll be all better for it after in another playoff scar, no doubt. Does he kind of scream a little bit of early Russell Westbrook at you? Oh, definitely, definitely. So he'll want the Dwayne Wade comp, but in order to get that, he needs to I think control his pace a bit better and make better decisions. Yeah, no, I think that's that is that's probably the comp at the moment. I guess maybe. Yeah. Well, somewhere between that and MVP Derek Rose, I think. Yeah, they're fair comps. And now for the side of the draw that I dare say will probably produce the Western Conference finalist, but I guess anything can happen. Probably the champion, if I'm honest. Maybe, quite possibly. Let's look at Clippers' sons. Yeah, Phoenix 4 defeated the Clippers. What an absolute shame this series was. Oh, tell me about it. It had all the hallmarks of one of these classic Slobberknockers sort of seven-game series. And then at the end, you basically had Russell Westbrook, Norm Powell, and Eric Gordon trying to beat Phoenix. And by the way, they did a decent job. I mean, they they erased a 20-point lead yesterday. I saw the second half of that game. That was pretty crazy. It's amazing what they managed with their two stars out. Yeah, I mean, Westbrook and Powell played out of their skin for most of the series. It's just unfortunate, though, that those are the guys. And, you know, if you look at their bench, obviously, without Leonard and George, it really shrunk their bench. Guys like Morris were having to play 25 minutes. Batum was trying to play 24. Like, these are guys that you really can't be relying on. And Devin Booker was a freight train in that series. 37 points a game on a 60-46-85 clip. And you had guys like Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton just basically being secondary pieces, just chilling in the background. Well, they're still working Durant in, aren't they? So (laughs) the key is, can they work him in enough in time to fire on all cylinders? But geez, they're pretty good on less than all cylinders. They're better than most. Oh, absolutely they are. And as I said, though, it it is a shame because I think if you put both teams stacked at full health together next to each other and just let them go at it for a seven-game series, it could have been an all-time classic. 
I don't think we really learned too much out of this series aside from kind of stuff that we already knew about the Suns. And look, I think in the right environment, Russell Westbrook can still be a pretty good third option in this league. That's probably about it. Oh, yeah, no, that's the biggest takeaway. No doubt about that. Yeah, it's such a shame after, obviously, that game one where Kawhi just played so well and just looked amazing. And then it all turned to shit. Obviously, not only the knee injury, but his sister going to jail. So he's battling some pretty tense times in his family life as well. So no doubt, but tricky situation for him. But yeah, I know what you mean. It just really feels like we're robbed of what could have been a really great series. And full credit to those Clippers players for being competitive, even when they went down 20-odd yesterday, like I say. I mean, their sons had a 50-point quarter, and yet the Clippers still gave themselves a chance to win right at the end. So really remarkable. They kind of did what I expected Brooklyn to do, actually. Like, not win many games, but be competitive. But, uh, well, sorry, that was once Kawhi went down, because obviously I thought it could go seven with Kawhi there. But, yeah, no Kawhi, no Paul George, no chance. Exactly. And, look, we'll do, I I guess, a proper post-mortem, I guess you'd call it, on all of these teams down the track somewhere. But just quickly wanted to kind of talk about the issues that having these two guys at the center of your team causes So the last four seasons, Paul George has missed 119 regular season games. Leonard's missed 147. That is a lot. And the thing is, in the playoffs, it doesn't get much better. I mean, as you said, Leonard played two really great games to start the series against the Suns here, sat out the last three. George didn't play a single game. They didn't even make the playoffs last season. 2021, Leonard got injured in game four of round one and missed the last eight playoff games. So really, the only year that they've kind of managed a decent playoff run together was the bubble in 2020. And we saw what happened. They blew a 3-1 lead to Denver in the second round, had a 10 of 38 combined shooting performance in game seven. So I just kind of worry that this team really is not going to be capable of going deep into the playoffs in that Western Conference, which we know is a stacked conference. I think the league is such that if they could stay healthy for a playoff run they could go the whole way I mean we saw what Kawhi did in Toronto for example so I think it's possible still but geez I mean as you say the proof's in the pudding the track record isn't great so a lot would have to go well but geez they have a lot of eggs in those two baskets and fair enough they're two very good players so yeah it's, it's interesting times over there at the Clippers and a big brand new stadium but if they can't have their stars suiting up in there what good will that do? And I kind of feel like that Toronto team was almost lightning in a bottle. They were very talented. You know, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry. You had Marcus Gasol, who was basically there for a short time and was a very key part of that championship. So I think it was a little bit of lightning in a bottle in that. Whereas, yeah, the last few seasons, we've seen flashes of how good he can be, but just not enough. That's the thing, though. I do think this squad is good enough to catch lightning in a bottle. The thing is, this, this season, next season, I mean... With the Kevin Durant trade, I always thought that trade was for next season. Now, if they could win this season, great. But really, you know, you want an off-season. You might want to build some pieces. I do still worry about their bench depth. They're playing a lot of minutes, their main guys. So, I don't know. this, And it feels like we're saying it more and more often, and maybe we're saying it too often, at risk of being a broken record. This may be the most open the NBA has been just about in our lifetime. It's crazy. Anyone can win it. And so, in that kind of scenario the teams that have injury problems or they'll be kicking themselves they'll be thinking geez and on the flip side of that the guys like curry lebron durant they'll be thinking oh we might be able to add to the uh, trophy cabinet cheekily here while everyone else falls down around us so i guess moving to another team that is i guess feeling like they're in the mix and one that certainly could use with stocking up their trophy cabinet a bit the denver nuggets four defeated the minnesota timberwolves one It's kind of went to script, yeah? Yeah, pretty much. And game four was an interesting one. They very easily could have folded and fallen over, but they nearly snatched that one as well. So they nearly swept. Jokic was just magnificent in that fourth quarter in overtime. I think he scored or assisted on 14 straight points, something like that. It was pretty remarkable. So uh, I almost almost have Denver's favourites from here. Well, we'll look at the next series in a minute. I'm jumping the gun. I'm sorry. (laughs) You are. You're excited. I love it. So there's a few things I took out of this, and they're kind of all Minnesota things, really. So first things first, this is absolutely now Anthony Edwards' team. I don't think there was really a huge doubt on that at the start of the season, but I think Carl Anthony Towns really needs to understand that he is the number two guy on this. And he's one of these guys who's kind of always been too good to be a number two option, but not good enough to be the number one option on a contending team. Yeah, I think that's a fair appraisal. Yeah. And and I kind of worry that if Cat 
kind of feels like it's still his team. There could potentially be butting of heads. We've seen Anthony Edwards. He's a very confident guy. I feel like if he kind of feels like he's getting pushed back on that, that he will push back himself. So there's every possibility that we could see some more fireworks in Minnesota. Well, there's already been fireworks. Did he say he's been cited for third-degree assault after allegedly throwing a chair that hit two arena employees during the post-game situation of Game 5? So, yeah, a few hotheads on that Minnesota team. Given how much they spent to get Gobert, Cat might have to be the one they trade. It might They might not have a choice, really. Can they give up on Gobert already? Can they admit they screwed that up? Cat might be the one. Well, let's talk about Gobert, because I actually think that the answer is yes, they can move off him. This series really outlined just how overrated he is as a defender right now. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't an amazing defender a few seasons ago, but right now, as we look at him sort of on the other side of 30, yeah, he blocks some shots, but when you've got a guy like Jokic who can move his feet, Gobert just gets lost. I don't know if you noticed that in any of the, the games that you saw. Oh, there's no doubt that he's very comfortable in the paint and anywhere outside of the paint, you can really exploit him at the defensive end. No doubt at all. And good coaches and good schemes will get him in uncomfortable positions where you basically take away the one thing he does, which is defend the paint, defend the rim and block shots. And the thing is, if you look at the numbers, like this was a career low season for Gobert in blocks. First time since his rookie season that he's blocked less than two shots a game. And that rookie season, he averaged just under 10 minutes a game as well. So this has been a really, really big drop down at 1.4 a game this season and just one in the playoffs as well. So not really doing what he's there for. And at the moment, it kind of feels like he's only good coming across as the weak side guy. Yeah, no, it's fair. But again, given how much they gave up to get him, they're almost pot committed. But it looks even worse. You look at Kessler, he averaged nearly a block a game more than Gobert, and he's not a fucking diva. Oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> Those poor Timberwolves fans. They've just been in mediocrity for pretty much their whole existence, nearly, but for an odd season here and there with KG. I feel like this is one of those trades that we'll look back on in 15, 20 years, God willing, and uh, and just look at it and go, that was the worst trade that you could imagine. 15, 20 minutes, mate. I don't think we need to wait well, that long. Well, I mean, we've got to see what the draft picks become, but yeah, it's looking yeah, really, really bad right now. now. The other thing as well is I just really wanted to point out the value of some of these role players. I'm not saying that Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels would have turned that series, but they were so paper thin up forward without those guys. Towns was in foul trouble most of the series, and they often had to have Kyle Anderson playing against the bigs, which realistically, as crafty as he is, he can't do. No, especially when guys are like Aaron Gordon, who are super athletic, and Kyle Anderson... He's a lot of things, but Athletic is not one of them. So that's a bad matchup for him. And so, yeah, look, I mean, again, we'll talk about where Minnesota goes, but I honestly believe if they can get more than a packet of chips for Rudy Gobert right now, they should look at it. They're going to need to do something. So, Nath, moving forward, Denver Phoenix. Who have you got? Uh, I want to take Denver in seven. They've got the home court advantage. Had this Phoenix team been together a little bit longer, had they had even maybe one extra player on the bench, I might say otherwise, but I've got to respect Denver and the fact that they've got the chemistry. They've been together longer. They're bloody good. Jokic is looking amazing. Murray is looking amazing. Porter Jr. and Gordon are doing good things too. I've got to take the Nuggets. Damn, that's annoying. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to have something different to me, but yeah. Well, uh, is it a couple it's of Stewie, little... Stewie. Jokic is my favorite player. Is it any surprise that I'm picking the Nuggets? Uh, no, I was just hoping you might have said in six or something. But, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, nah, there's, there's a couple of reasons I've got Denver. The first thing is the amount of minutes. So if you look at the minutes from the first round series, Durant played nearly 44 minutes a game. Booker was at 43. Paul was at nearly 39. Uh, look, I don't know why Monty Williams kind of seems not to have trust in his bench at all at the moment. It uh, might even just have been because the Clippers were playing them tougher than they expected. But then you look at the numbers for the Nuggets. Murray was just under 39, Jokic 37, Porter Jr. 36. And then you look at the ages. Durant's 34, Chris Paul's 37, has that history of soft tissue injuries in the playoffs. And then you've got Murray, Jokic, and Porter, who are all 24 and 26, 27, those sorts of ages. So the minutes are a bit of a worry for an older team in Phoenix. And I guess the flip side is everyone's screaming, going, well, who's going to stop Kevin Durant? Who's going to stop Booker? But the only matchup this season between Jokic and Aiton, Jokic had 41, 15, and 15. Absolutely torched him. And I was so, going to say, yeah, Jokic is the sort of player that Aiton does not want to face. He is not the big guy that Aiton wants to be defending. He's a nightmare matchup for them. 
nightmare. Yep. So yeah, there'll be mismatches on both ends of the court. Oh, it's a it's a mouthwatering series. I hope it's a bit more exciting than last season when they played each other. Yeah. Look, as long as everyone stays healthy, I, I think it should go seven. And that's the key, health. It's just amazing. TJ Warren, like, they're just yeah. getting nothing out of him. Is he only good in bubbles? Well, he's not playing. That's the problem. He's only yeah. averaging like four minutes a game. Yeah, well, they're not, yeah, they're not even giving him minutes. So, yeah, it, I, I do worry about that bench. I do. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week takes us to good old England and a 2019 London Marathon. Now, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I've been watching a number of these YouTube shorts in recent times, and I saw this footage of a guy named Lucas Bates who was attempting to break the world record for the fastest marathon time dressed as a landmark. Yes, he ran the entire 26-mile event dressed up as the Elizabeth Tower, also known as the Tower of Big Ben. Oh, uh, yep, okay. Now, he unfortunately fell about 20 minutes short of the record, but this was partly due to the fact that his costume was too tall for the finish line. So as he's running into the finish line, he can't get his costume underneath the top of the little finish line bit. I don't even know what you'd call it, but you just imagine this. You've run this 26-mile race. You've absolutely knackered yourself over three hours, and you can't even cross the line because the top of the tower is too tall. Oh, it's like the Bayswater Bridge, Shui. It is. It is, except... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> except he didn't get stuck. He was able to reverse, thankfully, but <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, so dear. to Lucas Bates and his inability to finish, all I can say is, good Lord, bloody hell. Bloody hell. Well, Shuey, we have a massive upset, the sixth 1v8 of all time, where the eighth seed has beaten the first seed. They lost a play-in game, which meant they were eighth instead of seventh, even though they had a superior record to the Atlanta Hawks. Playoff Jimmy Butler is real. My goodness, the Bucks have lost in five. Yeah, look, it's one of these ones. It doesn't feel like a surprise, the result. It's definitely a surprise in terms of how quick it was. I don't think anyone saw this being over in five games unless Milwaukee won in five. If you look at the other times when eight seeds have beaten the one seed, the only time it's been over in five games is when it was back in as a best of five series, those uh, New York Knicks beating the Miami Heat and the Seattle Supersonics beating the Nuggets in the 90s. But ever since it went to a best of seven, this has never happened this quickly. And well, they did what they needed to do, didn't they? When Giannis was only playing 11 minutes across three games, they they made the most of that. Okay, they didn't win all three, but they made the most of that time. They did. And look, I'll go back to something I said in the last episode. I said after game two, Butler had to take 25 shots a game for the Heat to win. And what does he do in the last three games? 19, 28, and 33. I love playoff Jimmy Butler. Well, and wasn't his 56, I think, the fifth or sixth highest playoff score of all time? And then he followed that yeah. up with a 42. So nearly 100 well, in two games. Well, what did you have? You had the, the Jordan 63, Elgin Baylor's 61. There was Jerry the 57. West. And, yeah, John Donovan Mitchell. I don't think Jerry West was in that. Well, I thought he had a 60, didn't he? Not in the playoffs. Oh, okay. Hang on. Let me go to the third umpire. Yeah, third umpire. Jordan, Baylor, Mitchell, and then Butler and Barkley and Jordan and Chamberlain at, at 56. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Jerry West had a 52, but uh, nothing bigger than that in a playoff game. Still nothing to sneeze at. Oh, absolutely not. But no, you're <laughs> right. I mean, there's Alan Iverson, Damian Lillard, Rick Barry. There's a few guys ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that was crazy about this for me, now, obviously, you can look at it and go, torching all these amazing defenders. Well, I mean, let's look at the defenders, first of all. So you've got Giannis, constant defensive player of the year candidate. You've got Brooke Lopez, one of the best shot blockers in the league, finalist for defensive player of the year this season. Drew Holiday, constantly among the best perimeter defenders in the league. Chris Middleton's even above average, and he just torched all of them. Oh, I think Holiday's just about the best defender in the league. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Just incredible. It really is remarkable what that man does in May and June, April, May and June, when he gets there. Well, this, yeah. this is the thing. Like, he was getting to his spots. He was, you know, he just couldn't miss. The thing that I guess summarizes how well he was shooting and how much of a heater he was on. This is a guy who shot 35% from three this season, 32% for his career. He went 10 of 19 in the series. And he was shooting at 69% at the rim. So the yep. guy could barely miss. Uh, for me, I don't know about you, watching him dropping bombs late in game four and basically screaming, this is my shit, 
gave me goosebumps. Oh, I, I can't wait to get my hands on games four and five. Definitely, definitely. And I, I feel like game five was almost more impressive. Okay, he didn't score as many points, but the Heat go in down 16 going into the fourth quarter. On the road. Giannis drops the, yeah, on the road. Giannis and Middleton drop 30. Bam Adebayo, Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry all foul out of the game. And Jimmy still finds a way. Look, I don't know if you've seen the shot that he hit to tie the game to send it to overtime today. The push-off. Yeah, there was a push-off there. I I feel like it probably should have been called, and I hate to be that guy, that buzzkill guy who's like, oh, it's a foul. But you kind of have to call that. It's, it's a pretty big miss. Yeah, sure. I just re-watched it, and I think you're right. I think it probably is a foul. And look, they would have gone back to Miami for game six anyway, so they still would have had a good chance. It's a shame it ended that way in some ways. I do think you've got to call that. And the Bucks fans will be uh, pissed. That they would be, and rightly so. I think it's there. Look, it's a shame that an umpire has to make a decision that potentially impacts the entire result of the game, but that's what they're getting paid for, and I think it was there. But look, this is Jimmy Butler's night, and I have to quickly point out the best call of the night. I don't know if you heard this. It's so quiet in here, you could hear a number one seed drop. <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. I had a very busy day at work today, so I haven't really had a chance to digest too much other than the box scores and a few little highlights. But yeah, now looking forward to catching up on the last couple of days' action. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about Giannis. Obviously, we know he was injured. He wasn't, I don't think, even close to 100%. But a little bit of the heat, pardon the pun, probably has to fall on Giannis. He still hasn't addressed the major flaw in his game, and that is the foul shooting. He was 45% from the foul line in this series, 10 of 23 in game five. And I feel like that stat was kind of hidden behind that 38.20 rebound stat line. 13 missed free throws in a game you lose by two to end your season. Fair. I, I can't argue with that. Obviously, he did that tremendous job against the Phoenix Suns in game six to win the championship and really silenced a lot of critics. But that was only one game. And you're right, more long-term and... and from a game-to-game basis, that's that's poor from your star, and it's it is an Achilles heel. Well, it is, and and this is the thing. Like he goes, I don't know, sixteen of twenty-three. Which, when you think about it, that's still only around about two out of every three. They win that game. They go into game six. They give themselves a chance. The other problem he has, though, is the turnovers. So he had two turnovers in the first ten minutes that he played in game one before he got injured. Games four and five, he had six and seven turnovers, respectively. Really uncharacteristically sloppy for him. Yeah, sorry, he had seven today. Not good. Mm. One thing I will say, though, the thing with the Bucs that, that kind of makes this tricky is if you look at the ages of this team, the only three guys that are playing any sort of minutes under the age of 30 are Giannis, who's 28, Grayson Allen, who's 27, and Bobby Portis, who's 27. And Bobby Portis didn't play enough minutes today. It was like 16 or something. I didn't say that, actually. He, he's been, he's been really important in their playoff runs the last few seasons. I was amazed to see that he'd only played that few minutes. Yeah, well, this is it. And then, if you, so if you look at the other guys, you know, Wes Matthews, Joe Ingles, Jay Crowder, Tanasis Antetokounmpo, Myers Leonard, and the GOAT Goran Dragic, all the wrong side of 30. Oh, dear. Yep. He is the GOAT. I'm glad to, you acknowledged it. It had to be said. It yeah. had to be said. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bit my tongue until now. <laughs> Looking at Giannis's presser. <laughs> Apart from all the other times you didn't bite yeah, well, your tongue every well, other in, episode. I'm going to go back and find some of yours, yours, I think. Yeah. In this particular episode, I've bit my tongue well. Anyway, looking at Giannis's presser, one of the guys asked him a question about whether he felt like this season was a failure. And I loved his response. He basically asked this guy, do you get promoted every year? And if you're not getting promoted, are you a failure? Jordan won six titles in 15 years. Does that mean the other nine years are failures? He said, we're working towards something big and it's not always going to work, but this year wasn't great and we'd love to have gone further, but they won a championship a couple of years back and they'll keep working towards another one in the future. Oh, they'd still be a top five or six favorite for next season. They'll be able to tinker around the edges. So yeah, I wouldn't be too worried. You're right. They need to inject a bit of youth, but... They've got a core there that could very easily win another championship. There's no reason why they couldn't. Just like Golden State did last season when everyone wrote them off. I was biting my tongue, Stewie, but... uh, No, no, no. Look, I didn't think that they would uh, win the whole thing, but I was was certainly one person who was saying before they got Wiseman in the draft that it just felt like a cheat code that they could have all of these good players take a year off and then get the number two pick in the draft. It just, it felt wrong. Yes, well... 
history goes that way sometimes, doesn't it? That's it. They're, they're going to have it. some interesting off-season decisions too, and we won't talk about that today. But, no. uh, yeah, that will be partly dependent on how their, their season finishes as well. Should we keep going, though? Where do we go next? Yes. Uh, New York. New York. My, oh, my. So Jeff Van Gundy said that the passion and the excitement and the noise in that building was even louder and bigger than when he was coaching that team in the 99 finals. And it's only the first round. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like They've been starved of success for quite a while. I mean, I think this was the first time they'd won a playoff series since probably since 99. Uh, I think they've won one since one series. Yeah, I'm just I'm going back just try, oh that's right they beat the Celtics in 2012 13 yeah, yeah. But I mean that's a long 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 time. I mean you're you're going back to yeah basically the year after they lost to the Spurs in the finals to find another time they got out of the first round. I mean that's a it's a horrible horrible record for the last 20 years for a city that is considered the mecca of basketball and the passion. And, and excitement is why you can see it's called the Mecca of basketball. It's pretty cool. It is cool when the Knicks are going well and and hopefully they'll continue to go well. What a weird... I mean, no one would have picked Heat Knicks, but here we are. Well, that's it. Well, let, I mean, let's quickly talk. So the Knicks and, and the Cavs. So Knicks four defeat the Cavs one. I certainly don't think anyone saw this coming either. I mean, potentially, obviously, New York winning the series. Yes, that was something that I think a lot of people could see happening, but not in five games. Oh, I would have just if, if you told me the Knicks were going to win in five games, I would have assumed that both I don't know Garland and Mobley got injured or something. Yep, or Donovan Mitchell or something. Yeah, yeah one or two. Players. Yeah, pick two of their best players. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I didn't see a whole heap of this series, and I feel like that's kind of the common thread for most people. Is this series kind of got put on the back burner? And I think from what I saw, the New York's defense was just next level, and a lot of the Cavs just crumbled. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. So obviously the mobley allen Markinen pairing kind of miraculously worked. But when they removed Markinen from that trio, there's not a lot of scoring there with the other two bigs, is there? And Donovan Mitchell probably, I, I, I was almost sure he was going to explode for a 50. And I mean, look, don't get me wrong, he had a decent series. I mean, he had 28 in game five, for example. He, he did okay. It, the shooting stats weren't spectacular, but yeah, they, they were just missing another scorer, I think. Well, this is the thing. So Evan Mobley, yeah, he absolutely went into his shell in this series, but I did want to talk about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, look, him, Garland, and Levert, top three scorers with Cleveland, all shot less than 44% from the field. Mitchell was sub-29 from three on nine attempts a game. I'm going to throw something out here to you. I feel like Donovan Mitchell is a regular season bully who doesn't play well enough in the playoffs. Uh, oh, he has had some big playoff performances. Yeah, maybe not as bad as... So he's no James Harden, put it that way. But they would have... I mean, as the veteran on the team, they probably... They would have expected more from him and they would be a bit disappointed. Donovan Mitchell has played on some very talented teams and he's only got past the first round twice in his career. 2018 against OKC, which was one of the worst officiated series in modern history, and then beating the Grizzly in Ja Morant's first playoff series. That doesn't read well. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I think about that bubble series against Denver. He had a couple of really good games. I mean, that was just such an incredible series. But, oh, yeah. Was. Okay, yeah. Well, you've done a little bit more research on that one, so I can't argue with it. I, I just, yeah, I, I just think if you look at his success slash failure in the playoffs, there's a lot of series that he will look back on and go, fuck, we should have got that one. And this is one of them. They will look at it and just go, how did we lose to a team with Jalen Brunson. I mean, Jalen Brunson's a spectacularly good player, but how does a team as stacked as us lose to a team that's basically Brunson, Randall, and then a bunch of guys who have been playing, you know, reasonably well? Josh Hart. Yeah, but Josh Hart is great. The other big story is apparently the crowd did a lot to kind of really bring RJ Barrett kind of out of his shell too. So yeah. they are a different team if Barrett's playing well. And I'm a big fan of Mitchell Robinson, hey? Big fan. Yes. He has 13 and 18 today. Yeah. He's a very handy big. A, a, a lot like Kevin Looney, actually. Not identical, but as far as what he brings to the table and as far as a guy who doesn't demand too much but does his job, very handy big guy. Well, he was a guy I was actually going to bring up. He had 11 offensive boards today. A lot of key putbacks. 
just yeah a menace on the boards and Cleveland had nobody who could go with him basically like I mean look at Jared Allen four points four rebounds today that's disgraceful in a, a potential closeout game Mobley six and nine not particularly great yeah okay Mitchell had 28 points but 26 shots it took him to get that and they got basically nothing off the bench so yeah this this team has a lot of soul searching to do over the next few months until the next season. And I, I actually feel like this team could be about to get blown up. Interesting. Now over to the other side of the bracket in the East, Joey, one where there was a suspension and one where there wasn't. Where do you want to go next? Look, we'll go Atlanta-Boston. That's actually all of a sudden become quite a, an interesting series. So Boston leading 3-2 now after the heroics of Trey Young yesterday. Crazy deep step back three to cap off a very, very big comeback in that fourth quarter. I think it was a 13-point game with about six minutes left. Incredible. And he is a playoff performer. There's no doubt. He's not my favorite player in the world, but he does step up in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, He's a guy who definitely doesn't care what people think of him. He's more than happy to put his hand up and take the big shot. I mean, that three basically is the season. You miss that, you're done. Whereas you make it, all of a sudden, you kind of give yourself an outside chance of getting this to game seven. You know, you've got a game six being, being played at home as well. And on top of that, there were a few guys that had kind of been a little bit down that that really stepped up. I mean, Collins was superb in that game. Okongwu was fantastic. Bogdanovich played his part. Sadiq Bay was good. Like, they're getting enough guys. And, and I said before the series, I think Atlanta will get two based on their bench. And their bench has kind of stepped up in that game to go with Trey. And now you just don't know. You kind of feel like the pressure goes all the way back to Boston. This is a crazy thing, too. John Collins has been a bit disappointing across the series. Like, okay, yeah, he had a good performance today, but it makes it even more surprising. That's how good Trey's playing, I guess. Now, what do you make of the Murray incident? Oh, I mean, absolutely it deserved a suspension, but I think Tatum should have got a game as well. Oh, I don't I don't think they were created equal. I think the Murray one was worse because yeah. the, the Tatum one was in the heat of the moment after after a play, after a foul, whereas Murray made the effort to go to the other side of the court. He, he basically Toby Greened him like Toby Green in the finals against Sydney a yes. couple of years ago. Yep, I remember the one. Basically basically shouldered him, lift, you know, jotted his chin out. The more I looked at it, the worse it was. Okay, the contact wasn't much, but it's not so much about the contact. It's about the respect for referees. I, he almost got off lightly with one, to be honest. Yeah. And, and look, Tatum, oh, yeah, look, maybe Tatum should have. I probably wouldn't have given Tatum a game. I probably would have just fined him, but... Yeah, Murray may be lucky for just one. But yeah, he'll be back, so they'll be at home. So there's every reason to believe this could go seven. Well, look, the reason I was going to say, just going back to the Tatum thing, the reason, look, I have no problems if Murray got two for that because I don't think it sets a very good example to anyone watching the game in terms of how you, you deal with umpires. The reason I thought Tatum should have got something was just because he extended his arm. Anytime yeah. you put a pushing motion in around an umpire, it's it's just not on. Yeah, like, no, that's fair. Yes, okay. That's fair. It's, it's not equal, I agree, 100%. It wasn't the same as what Murray did. But when you get up with that look on your face and you put your put your hands on an umpire and push him away, that to me should be an automatic ejection and an automatic one-game suspension. That's that's my thoughts. If people disagree, that's fine, but that's what I think about it. Yeah, no, I, I can see the logic there, and I wouldn't be 100% opposed to that. Obviously, you want to see the good players playing, but there has to be consequences for actions. Yep, that's it. Where do you draw the line? Otherwise, they're going to keep doing it. Hmm. The one thing more from this series, Stewie, and I think it definitely adds to the belief that it could very easily go seven. And I dare say, for a team that was the favourite and maybe have the most talented team left in many ways, is their coaching going to come back to bite them? Obviously, Joe Mazzola's kind of learning on the job. It's a really tough position to be in. And I don't know, uh, uh, there's, there's been some criticism about his coaching and his rotations. You could almost call it a bit funky. It may be funky Joe Mazzola. <laughs> yes. Good. I love it. <laughs> I love everything about that. I did quickly I did quickly look at the lyrics of Cole Medina. I'm like, no, nah, I can't think of anything quick enough off the top of my head. But, nah, fair yeah. enough. I think you did well, though. You did very well. Yeah, look, that's one of these things, man. We dare to dream that... You could possibly lose the one and two seeds in the East in round one. Well, it's, yeah, 
it's it's incredible. It really is. Uh, nothing will surprise me from here. I mean, little would have surprised me going into the playoffs, but nothing will surprise me from here. Nothing. James Harden might even start playing well. Should we talk about Philly and the Nets? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a whole heap to talk about in terms of the encore stuff. Look, it was exactly what we expected. It was over quickly. Very nearly got the gentleman sweep I predicted. Brooklyn were looking pretty good halfway through game four, and they just rolled over and died. Yeah, they, they fought a bit. You would have hoped that they might have been able to get that win without Embiid, who, by the way, was out because of injury, not suspension. If you hit a bloke in the, in the nuts, or if you even attempt to hit a bloke in the nuts, that should be an automatic suspension. That is such a dog act. Enough of this yeah. shit, honestly. There's been there's been like four groin hits already this playoffs. We're not even finished with the first round. It's outrageous. It is. I, I was actually thinking that the other day because I think there was, I can't remember if it was today or if it was yesterday, but there was another one and I was thinking to myself, yeah, this is the most nut hits I reckon I've seen in a playoff season in my entire life. And it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it should have been a, an ejection. It should have been a suspension. And then the Harden one, I don't know, maybe that was slightly slightly less, maybe didn't deserve the ejection. It was maybe a makeup call. Flag- maybe a flagrant a- one on that one, but yeah. It was a makeup not, call, I-, I reckon. Not good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, no. It's Look, I know stepping over a guy is this big, horrible thing, but hitting someone in the balls is worse. So Joel Embiid, screw you. I hope they lose in the second round. Oof, there you go. Well, you know I'm no fan of... I've got two of their players in my all-fuckwit first team, so it's <laughs> it's no surprise that I hope they lose in the second round. Fair call. That's a fair call. Now, the only thing of note that I've got as well with this is Doc Rivers telling his players not to, quote, play with their meat as opposed to playing with their food. Yeah, well, Joel Embiid tried to play with someone else's meat, didn't he? Well, I was going to say, you've always thought James Harden was a bit of a wanker, so I guess that kind of... <laughs> Ties in nicely with that, no? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that was a bit of a faux pas, that one. We've all misspoken on occasion. But yes, that was an unfortunate one. Yeah, it was a pretty bad one. (laughs) Tips, Shuey? Yeah, look, I I think it's kind of hard to go past playoff Jimmy Butler. I mean, I I have to say Miami in six. I hate... I, I cannot tip the Knicks or the Hawks in the playoffs. It seems to be the opposite of what I pick. I know what you mean. I want to, I, even though Tyler Hero's out, I want to pick Miami purely because of Jimmy Butler too. My oh my, how exciting. It's like the mid-90s all over again. I will, I'll, I'll also say the Heat in six, but I feel like I'm disrespecting this Knicks team and I shouldn't be. And I'll tell you what, if RJ Barrett starts playing well, Quickly's looking good. It's interesting. Yeah, Obi Toppin played pretty decent. All right, so I guess we've got a, a tip for that now. Are we going to assume, we'll assume that Boston gets through, won't we? I don't know. Can we assume anything at this point? I'm reluctant. Yeah. I'm reluctant. Let's let's tip both ways then. All right. So the the obvious assumption would be Philadelphia, Boston, but let's also tip a Philly, Atlanta, just in case. I would pick Boston over Philly and I would pick Philly over Atlanta. Okay. I'm reluctant to give. I don't know. It's it's all a bit too hypothetical. It, you know, there could be more injuries. Anything can happen still. So I don't really like tipping hypothetically. I don't know what you think of, about the two potential series. Look, I I think if Philadelphia can stay healthy throughout the whole thing, I actually like their chances of beating Boston, and I'm actually going to pick Philly in six. I think okay. if they play Atlanta, probably Philly in five. And again, I'm probably being disrespectful to Trey Young and, and what he's done, but I just don't feel like Boston's playing the greatest basketball right now. I would agree with that. I just think they're deeper and I worry about Harden and Embiid's health. And I worry about Harden in the playoffs full stop. He's still not done enough to show. So, yeah, look, until Philly win series against good teams, I'm not going to pick him. No, fair enough. Oh, look, I'm going out on a limb taking them, but I just feel like this is the year. No, fair enough. And again, if ever there was a year where it's wide open and you have a red-hot shot, this is the year to be playing well. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a number of teams that will feel like this was the season that got away, the ones that don't win. Well, there's probably already a couple. Well, maybe. Yeah, Milwaukee top of that list. All right, Stewie, you know what that music means. Time for some final thoughts and change for a dollar. I forgot to mention that there was a scorigami in the AFL again. Ooh, I Dogs and that. Dockers. 
Dogs and Dockers. There you go. Yep. Well, my final thoughts, I completely fucked up what a Super Raid is, so if anyone's interested in knowing more about Carbody, just look for it yourself. It's a very, very fun game. <laughs> Lots of great stuff coming up, though. I am very excited to see if Golden State and the Lakers are on a collision course in the NBA, and there's just so much other great stuff. Ah! Funny Rick Patino story I forgot to mention this week. I'll mention it next week. Until then, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.